0: This is Road to the Cup on ESPN LA on this beautiful Thursday. How in the world are you the first day of December? As the World Cup moves on, the craziness gets ramped up more and more. And I'm loving it. I'm here for it. I'm absolutely here for it. So Groups E and F played their final group day matches, group matches. And uh, yeah, if you had Japan and Morocco winning the groups on your bingo card, well, bingo! Bingo! I doubt you did, if I'm being perfectly honest, but they are through as group winners. Group E, that was the later games, saw Japan through with a 2-1 win over Spain, winning the group, but Spain hung on because, well, they had a better goal difference than Germany who beat Costa Rica 4-2, but it was also, Costa Rica needed a win, right, after that amazing, impressive victory over Japan, despite losing 7-0 to Spain in the first match. Costa Rica was down 1-0 to Germany. They actually battled back and had a 2-1 lead in the second half. Now, it only lasted about literally 45 seconds before Germany came down, storming back, all ticked off and got a goal. But it wasn't enough. Germany needed Spain to end up drawing Japan late, and it was 2-1 Japan. They were down a goal. They came battling back. And Japan hung on and deserved it. Spain get through in the second spot in that group, but the craziness. Oh, Costa Rica and uh, uh, Pura Vida was insane in that match. Again, it looked like Germany was going to dominate, and they did. But even the 4-2 was just because the game was so open because Costa Rica was going tooth and nail with Germany. This is the second straight round of 16 that Germany will not be a part of. And they didn't deserve it. This group shook out just like it should have. Japan Really almost rude, of course, that terrible loss to Costa Rica, as it turns out. No disrespect to Costa Rica. They were clearly the, the the fourth best team in this group. Japan are very good. But they really stubbed their toe in that Costa Rica game, and I thought it was going to cost them their tournament. But instead, they just go, on. They, Japan beat Spain and beat Germany and lost to Costa Rica in this group. Wrap your head around that. Japan beat Spain, beat Germany, and lost to Costa Rica. That's how crazy the World Cup is, and it's beautiful. Not enough for Costa Rica. Germany does vault over them, actually. Costa Rica do finish fourth, but boy, did they battle. And Germany gave it their all in the end. They didn't just you know, fall over, but not enough. And they don't deserve it. Japan were better because they beat them head-to-head. That was it. Japan's a better team in this tournament. Group F. Little less crazy, if you will, but still very dramatic in the end. As Morocco gets the group win, beating Canada two one, and Croatia and Belgium play to a nil nil. That was anything but drab. One of the most exciting nil nil games you're going to see because Belgium needed it. And oh man, Romelu Lukaku, you got to feel bad for the guy. He comes in in the second half and misses chance after chance after chance, miss after miss. After miss, this was not the Croatian goalkeeper standing on his head and just stoning Lukaku time and time again. This was Lukaku missing and missing and missing, and that is just so unlike him. He is a world-class striker and has bailed Belgium out many times. He almost did it again today. What's amazing is Croatia would have been on their way home as Morocco gets the win over Canada. Here's here's what... uh, Why Spain should not be all that giddy about the matchup with Morocco in the next round. Morocco gave up one own goal this tournament, and it was such a fluke on a cross from Canada that just ricocheted off the the defender right past the keeper to the near post. Nothing the keeper could do. Morocco's defense is good. They're going to give Spain fits if they don't just sit back for 90-plus minutes and completely bunker in against Spain. Everybody gives Spain... A little too much credit. And to a certain extent, deservedly so. The way Spain plays, they can dominate at times. But you just can't afford to just hand them the ball for 90 minutes. Hey, pass us to death. I mean, get in their face. And even Japan, who allowed them to come at them a little bit at times, they got into Spain's face enough and caused them problems, and I think Morocco needs to do that. They can't be too respectful of Spain. Morocco can beat Spain. Morocco deserved to win the group. They held Croatia and Belgium scoreless. Quite frankly, Croatia is a little bit lucky to get through in the sense that they scored four goals against Canada, but they got shut out at two other games. I mean, yes, this is a semifinalist of the World Cup, but they don't look outstanding either. And they're gonna for their troubles. They're gonna run into Japan, who are a better team, and Japan will have nothing to fear against Croatia either. Not to say Croatia can't win that; they can. They are talented. They just really have still yet to get going. They look really good against Canada. Make no mistake. And they kind of you kind of thought they were really on, but they didn't. They didn't create that much against Belgium. Now you can say, well, it was a desperate Belgium side, and of course they're gonna look. I mean, Belgium is Belgium, and they look all right this tournament, but they're going home, and Roberto Martinez is done. Out as manager, he's done because his contract, I believe, was up right at the end of the game. Kind of like a Tatar Martino situation, right? You, you can say, well, he's, he's not coming back. Who wants him back? You just got knocked out of the tournament with Belgium. Right? The golden generation has turned to mold. Who wants Tatar Martino back if you're Mexico? So they're like, well, these contracts are up. They're not coming back. Yeah, no kidding. Who in the world wants these dudes back? Right? They're done. So good effort there all the way around for Morocco and uh, you know, to get that win in Japan, to win those groups. They did well, and they deserve to move on. So good kudos to them. We got a lot more to discuss about this tournament. No question about it. It's craziness. Say goodbye to Belgium, say goodbye to Germany, two of the big European names. We'll talk a little bit more about that "quote unquote Europe" and the European countries who always are dominant. And as you look at the round of 16, well, there's still a bunch of them, right? Netherlands, France, Poland, England, Croatia, Spain. That's because they got a ton of teams in the tournament. Look at some of the worst-performing teams in this tournament. Denmark, Belgium, Germany, Europe, Europe, Europe. Yeah, well, they got how many? They got more than a dozen teams in. Of course they're going to have a lot of teams move on. They should. And, yes, they're going to probably have somebody win this tournament from Europe. But that doesn't mean everybody in Europe, all these teams are so, you know, some of them are just overrated. Well, that's another topic for another day as well. Hey, coming up next, we'll talk with Vince LaRosa. Our buddy Vince from 110 Football will just break down a lot of the World Cup here. What's going on? Tons of stuff to talk about with Vince. He knows a lot about every uh, aspect of this tournament. We appreciate him, and he'll be joining us next. This is the Road to the Cup. I'm Dave Dunholm, and you are listening to ESPN LA. Road to the Cup on ESPN LA. Dave Dunholm back with you, as promised, with Vince LaRosa of 110 Football. Vince, Always appreciate your time. Let's get right to it. Japan are through. Morocco are through on the day. Craziness ensued in groups E and F. What is going on with this tournament?
1: I'm just so excited this tournament's finally decided to wake up over the last couple of days, Dave. (laughs) Because, I mean, I'm looking at it, and we're coming into this tournament, and everyone's picking Brazil, everyone's picking Argentina. That's fine. And it does look look chalk. Let's be honest. It looks like the favorites are going to be the favorites. But then... We start to get into this final match day and teams are just dropping like flies. you got Germany gone, Spain's almost out. I mean, that Japan game was incredible, the way that they went toe-to-toe with Japan. And I think what it really says to me more than anything is just the way that this sport has now spread out across the world. We've always had upsets. Uh, the teams have done it just such in a different way where they've defended for their lives. They've gotten super lucky. But now I'm watching a team like Japan go toe-to-toe with Spain and really do it to them, not just with technical ability, but with pace, with power. You see Morocco, a team that maybe not a lot of people have heard of, and I just I think that the sport has really the transmission of ideas have gone across the world, and we're just seeing teams really start to catch up. Where like if you're a power like Germany uh, or you, I'll put myself in this not, not myself, but I'm an Italian fan, we're not in this World Cup. You got to be scared now. Like these are not just gimmies anymore. You're to, every single game you're gonna have to go into it, and even with an expanded 48 uh, team World Cup in 2026, I think we're just gonna start seeing more and more of these as teams start to catch up.
0: We are talking with Vince LaRosa of 110 Football. Great stuff, uh, Vince. I totally agree. Let's break it down with Pura Vida. Costa Rica. Oh, what a ride they were on. Talk about a roller coaster. They sum up this entire tournament. They get a surprise win against Japan, and they're right back in it. And for about a minute, Vince, they were actually knocking out Spain and Germany by leading the Germans before Germany kind of threw it right back at them. But what about Costa
1: Rica in this tournament overall? Yeah, and if you were paying close attention to Costa Rica and CONCACAF qualifying, this probably shouldn't surprise you because they were dead and buried through the first half of qualifying and then reeled off. I believe it was seven out of eight wins to close it out, uh, sneak into the World Cup. People aren't quite sure what to make of them, but this is them. Like you said, this is the roller coaster. This is Pura Buy the ticket. Take the ride. Um, they're a lot of fun, and I think what you really should say about them is a, a team that capitulates to Spain in that way to then turn it around, beat Japan and really give a go to Germany, who is not that far removed from the 2014 uh, World Cup, let alone just being a four-time World Cup winner in general. I mean, they gave it, they scared the daylights out of Germany. And at the end of the day, I mean, Germany's out and it's, it's not just because of this game, but Costa Rica gave it to them. They're the roller coaster. They're a lot of fun. I think that their fans should uh, leave this tournament proud of their team and what they've been able to show off there in Qatar.
0: Yeah, they really did. They played a, uh, Interesting, let's say that. It was kind of weird, but they were <laughs> the fourth, fourth best CONCACAF team. Speaking of CONCACAF, Mexico, uh, on a different level, you'd almost be certainly more disappointed by Mexico than Costa Rica, Costa Rica just because of the expectations. El Tree bowing out and really only played, and my producer Mario Reeves mentioned, only played one half of good football, essentially. What happened to El
1: Tree, Vince, and where do they go from here? Yeah, the uh, the kings of CONCACAF, as they like to say. I think if you're looking at those four CONCACAF teams as you as you look at it here and you kind of rank them, obviously US is top because they're getting through the group. Costa Rica, I think, can hold their head high as maybe the second uh, best team in the con- for CONCACAF in this tournament. And then Canada, look, they haven't been here since '86. I think, even though they're kind of low down there, th- it's a good showing. Mexico, absolute utter disappointment with all everything that they had with uh with a coach who's the sixth highest paid coach out of all the coaches here at the World Cup. And to just, it, just it, it was just uninspired, everything about it. And I'm not the first one to point this out. I, I want to give some credit to your colleagues, Hercules Gomez and Sebastian Salazar in Football Americas. They've kind of plotted this out. And there was all these hurdles that one by one, Mexico would either barely get over the hurdle or trip, uh, whether it was not making the under-20 World Cup, not making the Olympics, losing to the U.S. and the Nations League and Gold Cup. And, and when you looked at them in isolation, it wasn't that big of a deal. But now that you kind of see them stacked up, and then you see what Tata Martino did with his roster decisions, not bringing Chicharito, bringing a Raul Jimenez, who probably wasn't fully fit. Diego Lainez, he doesn't come to the team. And not just that decision-making, but then you get into the tournament and you say, okay, Poland, what do we do against Poland? Well, let's just let's just shut up shop. Let's keep it tight. No, man, you need three points against Poland because you've got that tricky game against Argentina. And maybe you can play the way you did against Argentina, although I would say... Once they've lost their first game, keep them on the mat as they're down. But I can't fault them for trying to keep it tight. But you can't just think that you can go into the final game of the tournament like so many teams have. I think that's maybe the biggest lesson. You can't go to the final game of the tournament thinking you're going to salvage everything and then give one good half of effort and say, well, that's what we had to show for the World Cup. I mean, that's your four-year cycle. That's pretty pitiful. And I think Mexico's really going to have to do some soul-searching. It's, it's got to be a full reset now. Uh they had a lot of talent. They were on the cusp of doing great things, but this was maybe their best chance and now the fields are gonna expand and as we said the other teams are catching up. Mexico's not just gotta worry about trying to catch the Germanys and the Spains. They've gotta be worried about the Costa Ricas, the Honduras, the El Salvadors, the Canada's coming up behind them. I think it's a really worrying time for Mexico and a time to really soul search.
0: Oh, fantastic stuff, as always. Vince LaRosa from 110 Football. Vince, we got to talk about the United States and the craziness that the U.S. goes into a group play and gives up one penalty kick goal in three matches. They get the win they need against Iran. I thought it was a little bit overblown at how Iran just dominated late in the match, Vince. They got like one shot on goal. We were so good defensively, so good through the midfield. What about this United States team, not only against Iran, but throughout so far this entire tournament, Vince? What do you see?
1: You know, it, it's it's unfortunate uh, if you're an online-leaning person like myself and yourself, where we, we were on online, or on Twitter, we're on a lot of different areas. It seems like for this U.S. national team, for the fans, you either have to go full praise, full criticism, and it's tough to do the nuance. But what I see is nuance, I see, I see a team that's the youngest team we've ever sent to the tournament, a team that did not make the tournament in 2018, and now they're out of a group, and it's a tricky group with the way everything's stacked up. Uh, I think they were great against uh, Wales in that first half. I think they picked their tactics right. I think they picked the lineup right. Second half, they faltered off, maybe didn't make changes, but they get out of it at a scraper point. I guess that's a disappointing point, but you get that point, point. and as you said, the only goal you give up is a penalty. Then you play against England. You punch above your weight. You, you confuse them. You press them. The tactics are right. The uh, starting 11's right, and then the second half, you really bring it to England. And then you move into that Iran game and you say to yourself, how do we play this? We know we need a win. Do we play KG? Um, do we wait, wait to save it to last? No, Greg Halter goes for it. He's got Cameron Carter-Vickers in there. He's saying, hey, guys, you and Tim Ream, Cameron, two, two center backs, you're going to have to hold their two forwards, and we're going to push numbers forward. We're going to look for that goal early. They get it through Christian Pulisic. Uh, but then in the second half, I look, the criticism is that we went into a defensive shell. I mean, I think there's – uh, it's true, but I think there's a lot of things that you got to say lined up for them to want to do that, and that was the right call from Greg Berhalter. One, third game of the tournament and a compressed tournament and a compressed season for everybody all down the line. You can't press for 90 minutes. You're going to have to pull back. You know that Iran is fighting for their lives. And then you look at your bench, and I think if the one thing I can maybe criticize Greg Berhalter is, is I think that the midfield that he brought, the midfielders he brought, is kind of thin. Other than Kellen Acosta, I don't trust Any of those guys on the pitch, and outside that that great three of McKinney, Musa, and Adams, you're kind of worried. So he looks at this and says, "My team has only scored two goals in this tournament. Clearly, that's not uh, that is not a a facet of our play. This this tournament, we need to grow into it more. What we have done though is we've only given up a penalty goal. We need to be proactive defensively. So let why don't I put on my defenders? I've got a Walker Zimmerman. Why don't I weather the storm and?" And if we're going to talk about a storm, I'm not sure how many storms you've been in. But if we're talking about a soccer storm, if you're weathering 20 minutes and there's two shots, one on target, one off target, not much of a storm to me. I don't even know if you have to bring out an umbrella at that point. I think that that's the right call. And it and know through the whole thing, someone's screaming at their radio or screaming listening to this on podcast. And They're saying, "What about Gio Reyna, Vince? Look, Gio Reyna is a fantastic player, but he has not been able to stay on the pitch, and it is a real problem for Greg Berhalter to say, I'm going to put a guy in against a physical team, against a team with a lot of pace, and he could easily have to come off five minutes later. That has kind of been Gio Gio Reno's rap lately. So I just, I think it was smart not to risk it there. And it said, go with what he knew he had in Zimmerman and more. I know Shaq Wright wasn't very good, but Aronson was good. Acosta was good. And I think it, it was the right call because As much as you want to go for that second goal, and that's what you should do if you're talking about over the course of a 34-match, 38-match season, because your odds, your risk-reward, nine times out of ten, you're probably going to come out the other side if you have a good team. This is tournament play. This is different. These are all one-offs. These are all small sample sizes. It's about survive and advance. And Greg grasped that firmly, and now he gets to move into the real knockout stages where, again, survive and advance. It doesn't have to be pretty. It just has to be the scoreline at the end of the day, and that's what he got.
0: Fantastic stuff, as always. Vince, thanks so much. It's great stuff. Vince LaRosa of 110 Football here on Road to the Cup. Vince, thank you very much, buddy.
1: Always a pleasure to be on with you, Dave. I can't wait to see how the rest of this cup goes.
0: Truly a pleasure to talk to Vince LaRosa. He knows his stuff. Check him out at 110 Football. Check them out. They do some great work over there. We love Vince. And, yeah, great stuff. It's true. Knockout stage, even in the the World Cup itself, it's three games. You're not always going to look like Brazil. Sometimes you got to scrap and claw, and it depends on where your team's at. It depends on where your opponent's at. And Vince is right. Just go get the results. And the United States, unbeaten. Unbeaten in this World Cup. You know who can't say that? Germany. You know who else can't say that? Denmark. You know who else can't say that? Belgium. The United States, moving on. We'll take on Netherlands in that round of 16. The round of 16 is getting more clear as well. And it's certainly some interesting matchups starting to develop after this. Uh, Japan getting through. Morocco getting through both as group winners. That sets up Japan to take on Croatia and Morocco against Spain, who finish up second in Japan's group. Spain will maybe say, like, yeah, that's, I think it's better to play Morocco than Croatia. Eh, wrong. Because Morocco will be in your jockstrap for 95 minutes the way they play. They are in your face. For 95 plus, whatever it's going to take, 100. Interesting matchup there. What's standing out to you in this tournament? I know what's standing out to me. Hit me up on Twitter, at Soccer. And we'll discuss that. Some of the things that have stood out to me about this tournament. Once again, thanks to Vince Lorosa. to check out his work at 110 Football. I'm Dave Denholm. This is Road to the Cup on ESPN LA. It's Road to the Cup on ESPN LA. Thanks to our good friends at Estrella Jalisco for being part of it. We appreciate that. I am Dave Denholm, hanging out with you each and every Monday through Friday. If you want to follow me on Twitter, at TalkSoccer, Instagram is Dave underscore Denholm, just spelled like my name. And uh, yeah, I, I keep you updated on when the show is going on. Uh, you can also check out the podcast if you missed something. If you missed the interview with Vince LaRosa from 110 Football, go check that out. We've also had some great interviews throughout the World Cup and will continue to do so thanks to my great producer, Mario Reeves. What is standing out to me so far in this World Cup? First of all, it, what's standing out to me really, and I hate to say it, is the disappointment of Canada. I was expecting a lot more. I was hoping for a lot more. Yes, you could look at it and say, they got a tough group. Yeah. As it turned out, you wouldn't think Belgium would be that, kind of the easiest team in the group. And it kind of proved out that way, the way Canada played them. Canada dominated that game. Belgium nicked the goal and were just better in terms of classier in the way they finished out the game. And Canada just couldn't find a goal. They missed a penalty and all that. But really, as it plays out, We thought, oh, Canada, look how good they looked against Belgium. Canada was, you know, 3A and Belgium might have been 3B. Maybe neither one of them was fourth, you know, decidedly worse than each other. But it's clear why those two didn't go through, right? So you let a a tournament play out, and that's what stands out to me. We always overreact before the tournament. Oh, look at this draw. Croatia and Belgium are going to romp through this group with Morocco and Canada. Like, it's going to be so easy. Belgium was the worst team in the group, practically. And Morocco wins it. So, yeah, there's always those kind of things. Now, that's not to say that the best teams are going to get there in the end. Absolutely. And it's also why we get emphasis on, on Europe, quote-unquote. Like, just a generic Europe. Like, if they're from Europe, of course they're going to get through the group. All I kept hearing about, you know, look, Denmark is tough to beat. And I told you that. They're maybe the toughest team in the world to beat. But you could clearly see, I could see, from the first game, they didn't have anything going forward. But even as Denmark was getting dumped out of the tournament, all I kept seeing in social media was, oh, the shock. Denmark is out. They stunk. It would have been shocking had they got through in the end. And, yes, you know what happens? Generic Europe will have a lot of good teams getting through and a lot of good ones will go deep and probably win if you're France. You know, Brazil, Argentina may have something to say about that. Don't get me wrong, but those are my three clear-cut favorites now at this point. And it still may be France wins, so Europe will win. Well, what does that mean? France is good. Germany's not. France is good. Poland is not. Right? Croatia's good. Belgium stakes. I mean, they're both Europe. So let's be a little more discerning. There's a reason that everybody gets caught up in it. Europe has a what double the amount of teams as any other confederation? More than double. Now I know they got a lot of I get it. And they, they deserve those spots. I'm not saying that. But it's not there's a reason all these European teams get through. There's Double more more than any other confederation. And then some. More than double. Conmebol, you got like five or six shots, right? If a couple teams flame out, then you're like, well, where are they all? Well, no kidding. Europe is like, oh, Europe is so dominant. Well, they better be. All they got are teams everywhere you look. And they're sending plenty of them through the round of 16 right now. And you know what? Many of them might just win their matchups. Of course they could. There's only one non-European matchup so far, or non-European, like, game that has no European influence in the round of 16 so far, Argentina-Australia. And France-Poland is the only one with two European sides so far. We'll see how that shakes out going forward in this round of 16, which is very interesting. But, you know, come on. More important, let's get back to Canada. The disappointment for Canada, you can then look at it and say, well, you know, the group was difficult. They had the opportunity maybe in that first game when you have a Belgium team that's, as it turns out, kind of wounded, and they let them off the hook. That really changed the whole World Cup for, for Canada, right? But let's also step back and say this disappointment should not last too long. I know that's easy for a non-Canadian fan to say because you've been waiting so long and then you get there and you're still winless in the World Cup now in two appearances. I get it. Canada's going to let this it's going to hurt for a while. But if you're if you're really reasonable about it, you have to move on from this pretty quickly because you got 2026 coming. Host nation automatically in. Right, Which also means you kind of got to stay focused because that's not easy either. I mean, I know it's it's supposed to be an easier ride for an automatic team, but a lot of pressure. You're not playing any kind of deeply meaningful games until you get there. I don't care what kind of competitions you want to go play. I don't care what kind of friendlies you set up. Not the same thing. Right, I don't care if you make the Gold Cup semis like Qatar did. It wasn't the same thing. So Canada's got to kind of turn the page quickly here. Feel it. Make it hurt for a little while because it should. You were disappointing. And then immediately think nothing but fondness about winning CONCACAF qualifying and getting there anyway, which was a perfect time to do this. Leading up to 2026, right? You don't want to go into 2026 as not having been there forever and flaming out a 2022 qualifying. They did put the building blocks in place. They really did. And that's where I think Canada, because they got a lot of good young talent still, right? This is not a team full of 35 year olds. This is not Costa Rica. Sorry, Costa Rica. This is a much young, you know, a much deeper more talented team with guys who are still going to be around in four years without question. So disappointment, yes. One of the biggest disappointments for me because you had hopes and you thought maybe they could get it done, especially the way they played against Belgium. just could not find it. And I think, yeah, there's still a golf in quality. Canada are not as good as the United States in football. Okay, I know what happened in qualifying. They're still not quite there yet. No shame in that. The United States is the best team in CONCACAF. So you still want to kind of compare yourself to it. No shame in that. But Canada, yeah, lick your wounds quickly, but then you got to move on. Because 2026 will be here for you quicker than you think. And you know what else I've uh, stands out to me in this tournament? And we, we kind of talked about it at times. And for a, a little bit, it was kind of annoying me. And I think you'll all kind of say you get a wink at the stoppage time, right? First of all, it's correcting itself a little bit lately, right? I've noticed games that only have like one minute of the first half. I actually thought the Germany-Costa Rica match, I thought there was not enough stoppage time in the first half. (laughs) And then, you know, they they kind of blew the whistle quick. But uh, not quickly, but, you know, there have been times where you're like, Wow, 10 minutes of stoppage time in the second half. Eight minutes. But you know what it's done? It's done exactly what they wanted it to do. This is what's standing out to me. I love it. Because it's taking away all the nonsense, especially in second halves, right? I haven't seen people rolling around on the turf feigning injury. Have you? I mean, maybe a little. But it's working. It's absolutely working gone are the games about trying to waste time in the second half. Now, again, you're always going to have the little things. You're taking a little more time on a throw-in. The keeper's going to drag out a little bit. But they really, it, even that has been curbed dramatically because the referees can just say, you know what, you're going to be playing 14 minutes here extra if you want, if that's how you want to do this. And kudos to FIFA. You know, I've said it for years. FIFA gets a lot of grief with good reason for a lot of things. VAR is one of them for me. It's a disgrace. But this, sometimes they really make the right call. And we have historical measures of this, right? I think we can all agree three points for a win changed everything for the good about the sport. You know what else was an amazing rule change? I don't know if you're too young. (laughs) Most of you listening probably are. You used to be able to just boot the ball back to your keeper from anywhere at any time, and the keeper could grab it with both hands. And let me tell you, there was a lot of back passes going on to get out of trouble. Now, I know you can still kick the ball to the keeper and still, but man, was it a different game, dramatically different, when you could just boot it from your own half. It didn't matter where. If you were in a little bit of trouble, just rip it back to your keeper. And let them just pick it up and punt it. And it was a lot of that. FIFA gets a lot of little things right, a lot of big things right. Well, this thing is big and it's working. I'm loving this extra stoppage time. Not because of the drama. It's not fake drama. It's real playing time. And it's also stopping the old rolling around ten times after you get fouled in the second half. Or the calling out the medical staff, because I'm cramping up. But then like 42 seconds later, you make a 98-yard run at full speed, right? It's stopping a lot of that. I had other re- or ways how you could stop that. One of my suggestions was always, if a guy goes down and it looks like he's feigning injury, whether he's injured or not, when he has to leave the pitch, you don't wave him back on for 10 minutes. <laughs> make it hurt, right? Now, if he's legitimately injured, so be it. You can figure that out, right? That would have stopped it too. But I love this. Am I wrong, Mario Rees, Mario, great producer. Are we not seeing as as much of that, or is it just me? Like, am I missing it?
2: You know, at first I didn't. I didn't agree with it. I didn't like it at all. And me I do. You know, because those those minutes are like they turn to like oh, hours. Killers. You know, they kill you. Killer. Yeah, they'll take
0: they'll take years off your life. You're right about that. Yeah, it's true.
2: But now it's more real time to play, and like you say people are flopping a little bit less longer. I mean, they're still going to flop to call to get the call because you need to do that in football. Oh, yeah, no, You that's have different. to go down yeah. if you want to get that call because if you continue yeah. to play on, you're probably not going to get the call. So that's why...
0: No, that's a whole That's a whole piece. other thing, yeah, 100% yeah. And I was right.
2: having that that uh, talk with somebody who was a casual uh, soccer football fan, and they were saying, oh, yeah. all the flopping and this and that. I said, but hold on, it's part of the game because if you don't go down... The ref is not going to give you that call when it's advantageous to you. Too many times we've seen
0: that. Yeah. Even in, like, penalty spots, you're like, go down because a guy is, like, noble and he's doing the right thing trying to stay up and he doesn't get the call. It's like, I've always thought FIFA should really try to coach the referees or, you know, let the referees study that where you make those calls even if a guy's battling through it. Like, call the penalty. That would help. Yeah, so so know? guys, guys are now
2: going down to get the call, and yeah. then they're popping back up, and they're not you know dragging it out for too long. Yes. And now we're getting real playing time at the very end of the first half, or at the end. And of you know the what match. else it's
0: doing? You know what else it's doing, Mario? What's that? Now we're starting to see extra times be six minutes, four minutes in the second or stoppage times, yeah, because they weren't. Carrying on with the theatrics all the game. So you yeah. don't need the extra, you know what I'm saying? Like You don't need as much stoppage time. So now I've seen four minutes, five minutes, when we're always thinking oh, it's going to be 10, uh-huh. right? Just Because almost every game, it's brilliant. The it's
2: other, working. The other day, I think it might have been this morning or yesterday, I can't recall, but there was a four minutes of added stoppage time, and the ref... Caught, he blew the whistle at 350, which was kind of yeah, well, savage. I was like, wow, because the team that was down just got the ball, and they were about to I saw, yeah, go into yeah, attack.
0: Right. It actually happened, I think, again today, where it didn't even go the whole distance, yes. I don't think. Yes. I could be wrong on that, but, yeah. So, And that's up to their discretion, too. And kudos. Nobody's wasting a lot of time. I don't see it. I'm loving it. I really am. Yeah, me too. You know, and, and it's still, it, it still keeps the game Going, yeah, it's murderous when your team's involved and you got nine minutes to sit through because you're used to three, four, maybe five, you know, if there's a, a big injury, maybe. You know, we saw it in the MLS Cup, of course, unfortunately, with Max's There was ten minutes of, you know, it was every bit of that, you know, legitimately. In the World Cup, we're seeing ten minutes just for people wasting time, and I love it. Absolutely loving it. So good. I'm loving doing Road to the Cup. We still got a segment to get to, including stoppage time. We'll also take a look at tomorrow's final day of group stage play in this World Cup, wrapping up groups G and H. I'm Dave Denholm. You are listening to Road to the Cup on ESPN LA. Road to the Cup on ESPN LA. I'm Dave Denholm with you. Final segment of this show. Don't forget, if you miss anything, you can podcast the show each and every day, wherever you podcast, or go to the ESPN LA app. Great stuff. There, getting closer to the round of 16 being complete. We've got one more day of group play. It's the final day of group play. Groups G and H are going to wrap up. We start early with the actual H group, the 7 a.m. Pacific kickoffs, Ghana and Uruguay, South Korea and Portugal. Portugal are locked in, just like Brazil in the other group, Group G. They're going through. So now we've got to see how they line up against South Korea. Ghana is on three points. South Korea and Uruguay each on just a point with uh, Uruguay at minus two goal difference. So they're playing Ghana. They're going to have to you know, win and hope Korea, South Korea doesn't get a win against Portugal. So Uruguay basically, you figure, is thinking, let's just win and we'll get through. But you never know. <laughs> Portugal maybe rests some players. South Korea comes at them. We saw that the craziness that is this World Cup, you just don't know. For Ghana, it's easy. Get a get a win and you're through for sure. Now, not just a result. You got If you beat Uruguay, you're in. But if you get a draw, then South Korea could make up the goal difference potentially. But for Ghana, they just got to power through. I think Ghana's good enough to beat Uruguay, frankly, the way the Uruguayans are playing. Uruguay better to just be ready because they're going to get punched right in the nose against Ghana. It's going to be a tough game, tough group. But again, Portugal are through. Group G, same kind of scenario in terms of the actual points per team. Brazil's that top team. It's all the same goal differences, too. Brazil's through. What do they do? Do they, rest? I mean, you say, oh, does Brazil rest player? I mean, their bench is still probably the fifth best team in this tournament. So it doesn't really matter in that sense. It's going to be a long haul for Cameroon. Switzerland sitting there comfortably in second on three points. Cameroon and Serbia with just a point apiece. And Serbia's two goals back of Switzerland, which means they'd have to win by a couple because I don't think that Serbia scored enough to make up for it with just one goal, like a one-goal win. They would be tied on. Oh, wait, I beg your pardon. If Serbia wins, they're going to jump over Switzerland. That's what they need to do, I beg your pardon. If they do that, in all likelihood, they would probably get by Cameroon unless Cameroon beats Brazil. Same kind of situation in Group G. The way I see it shaking out, Cameroon's going to have a hard time dealing with Brazil. Just too good defensively. I don't know that Cameroon's going to be able to create enough chances going forward, have enough of the ball. Brazil's just that good defensively. To me, they're the best defensive team in the tournament along with Morocco. Those are the two best defensive teams I've seen. So Serbia and Switzerland will decide who goes through in this group as well. Switzerland, tough to beat. Serbia has not looked uh, fantastic in this one. I would think Switzerland would have the slight edge in that game. But I, 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 don't, know, I don't know that Switzerland is going to you know get that second goal to, to kind of you know, ice it. So if Serbia can get out and get an early goal or grab the lead in this one, it could be tough for Switzerland. They haven't exactly blown the doors off offensively either. So when you keep teams in games that's when you can get upset or stub your toe. So look for both of those games, Serbia Switzerland and then the Korea, uh, the uh, Ghana Uruguay. Those are the games I'm really interested in in those matchups because that's going to those are really likely to determine the second place teams in those groups. And if I had to get I think Ghana and Switzerland both will get through. I think Uruguay's just been a mess, just enough of a mess in this tournament that I don't know that they have enough to beat a good Ghana team. Ghana's good. It wouldn't surprise me if Ghana just thrashes Uruguay and moves on, and they may even be able to make up that goal difference on Portugal. If Portugal, like, loses to South Korea, that means they drop at least one goal, right? Ghana could end up winning that group because Uruguay, if they have to, if they get opened up early, they're going to have to open up more, not to say they can't play that way. And I'm not saying Uruguay is done. But I think Ghana's the favorite in that match. And as I do think Switzerland's the favorite in the game against Serbia, and that's those are likely the teams that are going to move on with Brazil and Portugal who are already guaranteed. Those will set up some interesting matchups, right? I'd like to see a Switzerland-Ghana or Switzerland-Portugal-Brazil-Ghana. That would be fun. No doubt Brazil-Portugal. Are you kidding me? Yikes, that would take a little bit of work from one of those teams to fall back into a second spot, but holy cow, would that be amazing in the round of 16. So still everything to play for there. Cannot wait, really cannot wait. These round of 16 matchups, and we'll take a look tomorrow after these group G&H games are done. We'll also preview all of the round of 16. It's going to be madness this weekend. Remember, we don't have shows on the weekend, but we got big games. USA, Netherlands on Saturday, Argentina, Australia, then on Sunday, England playing Senegal, France and Poland. These are amazing matchups. Cannot wait. I can never wait for what's the, about the best segment in all of radio, right? It is time for it. It is stoppage time with the great Mario Rees. Mario, welcome.
2: Dave, you are talking about Uruguay just a minute ago. That's one of the teams that really has surprised me uh, in this yeah. World Cup. I thought they were going to do a lot better. Uh, and a player, Darwin Nunez, who I thought – was going to have a breakout moment here in the World Cup. I've been so wrong about that one right there.
0: Yeah, some people wanted to give him a bit of a pass. The we way Uruguay's setting up, uh, he's not getting a lot of surf. He's also tripping over his own feet a lot, too, as I've noticed. I don't, he doesn't look sharp to me. Now, that could change with a guy like that. He could find it tomorrow. And go off, right? I wouldn't like it. Wouldn't be the most shocking thing that ever happened in football if he gets a brace and Uruguay wins and they move on. That wouldn't be the biggest shock, but it would shock me the way they've been playing to find yeah, yeah. you know, like they certainly have the potential. You're right, but one of the biggest disappointments if they don't come out tomorrow and, and get a good, you know, really go at it and play a great game, one of the biggest disappointments in the tournament. I would agree.
2: One who's not disappointed is Christian Pulisic. Now, he no. he spoke to the media earlier today, and we have sound from that where, where he says that, you know, he got a big goal already, but he, he's not done. What did it feel to you now that you have that forever moment? Because a lot of talk is about that landing goal against Algeria, and now you had your moment, your first big moment. How do you feel about that? It feels great to score in a World Cup. Um, Timmy knows what that's like. Um, I think uh, I'm hoping I haven't had that moment yet, to be honest. I'm hoping it's in front of me. So it feels great to be where we're at right now, but uh, there's still more to come. How confident, Dave, are you that uh, that moment is still in front of him?
0: Uh, I love the answer, I'll tell you that yeah. much. I am confident that there's plenty more from Christian Pulisic. Uh, you know, We'll see if it happens against the Netherlands. Who knows? Maybe it happens deeper in the tournament, but I love the answer because it's a fair question. Uh, I like the question because Landon Donovan that moment against Algeria, but it's very different. Now, it's the same result in the sense that it got us through with five points and a big win in the final game of the, you know, group. But, you know, Landon's was on the last meaningful kick of the match where we were just hanging by a thread. Pulisic kind of set up the rest of the match, really, with the big goal early in the, you know, well, I shouldn't say early, early in the first half, late in the first half, early in the game, relatively, 38th minute. So it's different that way. So, I, But I respect the question, certainly, because like, some guys just want that big moment, and that was a big moment. Christian Pulisic couldn't even continue in the match, right? He had to come out at halftime. So just you know, minutes later, it was a big moment that way. He's also got an assist. I mean, he's been our offensive player, let's face it. I mean, he is our offense, and hopefully that continues. But I think the answer's great because it means they're focused on Netherlands and then maybe the next one if you can get and the next one and then you know I love that Mario and I know you're smiling about it too I think that's the right way to look at it this is a good answer
2: that's what you want to hear out of your leaders right uh confidence that yeah. they can do it they can pull it off
0: I agree and it didn't sound fake or like he thought about it later after you know like, or like he it didn't sound like he caught himself and had to say it at the end just like that you know that the cliche oh but we're still you know we're looking at the next game you know It felt like it was real.
2: He was confident about showing his confidence. (laughs) Yes,
0: yes, and that's what we want to see. That's what we need to hear and want to see from uh, Captain America, whatever you want to call him. I don't even care about that moniker, which is fine. It's kind of funny, but, you know, whoever wears that Christian Pulisic is our best offensive threat. (laughs) There's no two ways about that, and he is proving it with an assist that really was phenomenal, and a goal, which was amazing. on a great setup, too. I mean, kudos to Weston McKinney, Serginio Des, Matt Turner, everybody who made that play happen. It was almost the whole team really involved in a lot of ways on that one. So great stuff there from Christian Pulisic. Great show, as always. Thank you for joining me. Check me out on Twitter, at TalkSoccer. Don't forget, you can hear the show on podcast if you miss anything every day, and we'll be right back at it tomorrow. It's Road to the Cup. Dave Denholm and you on ESPN LA.